last half full moon, where if we didn't contract bird herpes, full moon features would go out of business. Tonight we are discussing uh, a bit of a mess of a movie, but of course before we get into that I ha must introduce to you my oh-so-plucky companion, my bird of a feather, Gabe is with me again tonight. Gabe, how's it going? My night is a lot worse after hearing those puns, Casey. I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> what did you expect? I needed to add some sort of levity to this movie because, holy shit, this movie is... If I were to describe this movie in one word, it would be ew. I have conflicted feelings about this film in, in such a way that I've never experienced before while watching a movie. Because it would be literally scene to scene, my opinion on the movie would change, which was amazing in and of itself. <laughs> and I suppose I'll open, because your one word description didn't really answer this question, which was, was this a good movie? No! Okay, clearly we have differing opinions. You thought this was a good movie? I thought that this was a movie with some interesting scenes that didn't disqualify it from being a okay let me let me just say this wasn't a good movie but this was a fucking interesting movie see i didn't feel that way i legit thought this was a harlequin paperback put to film that's what this felt like to me Perhaps I looked on IMDb. I looked for any kind of information I could about this film. There's nothing. L like we said last episode, there is literally five sentences on Wikipedia about this film. There is barely anything about this film online. Like, it, it gives nothing. It gives nothing to the point of this movie. And it's like, even the title has nothing to do with this movie. This movie is called Netherworld. Why is it called Netherworld? I don't understand. I don't know. I don't understand. Casey, I got I nothing. Know. It's it's so strange. It is so fundamentally odd that I can't help Okay. We're just going to have to get into it at this point because we open up and immediately I realized you can tell on the streaming service which movies Full Moon cares about because they edit the Full Moon logo in front of it. So this one was the original, like, 90s uh, intro, whereas other ones have the updated 3D graphics. Also, the fact that this one didn't allow for closed captioning. Ooh, I forgot to put on closed captioning. Yeah, this one did not give us any option for s subtitles. So it's like, they obviously did not care enough to pay someone to uh, t to make that for them. But am I the only one who noticed that the opening credit music sounded like something I would hear in a massage studio? Like, a good chunk of the soundtrack sounds like it belongs on an ASMR video. Am I, am I a tasteless fuck? For saying that I liked the movie, the sound, and the, I liked the music in this movie. You wouldn't be wrong. I liked the I liked the music too, but it was one of the few redeeming qualities I think this movie had. Because, like, like I said, it sounds like it belongs in an ASMR video, and 
quite frankly, I'm not opposed to that. But also, might I add, Beauregard Yates Esquire is the fanciest fucking yes. name I've ever seen. God damn it, I love Beauregard Yates Esquire. And also, I timed it. I timed it. Opening credits, 2 minutes 30. That's a lot of opening credits. We also, after our intro credit crawl, I can't even call it a title crawl. It is a credit crawl. Just white text on black background with our ASMR music. After that, we open on the dirtiest fucking bar I have ever seen in my life. Like legit chickens and snakes crawling on the floor. My initial thought upon seeing this with just all of these animals about was that what they were going for was this bar is so just run down that they're literally just letting the wild animals in. But no, I think the birds are symbolic. Yeah. The birds have to be symbolic. But what about what about the snakes? The snakes were they just had a guy on set that had some snakes, <laughs> and that's the explanation for the snakes. Yeah, this this place is called Tonks and it's obvious that it's all about the locals having a good time. Not to mention, the best part of the movie is the waiter spinning the bottle on his finger. So do you want to know a fun fact about that? That's actually the director. You you ruined the reveal. <laughs> I was so excited to give you that information. I knew it already. I looked at the IMDb. This is a little cameo by the director of this movie because apparently he just can spin a bottle on his finger and he just does it in the movie. And it's it's one of the best parts. I mean, like, good for him, I guess. <laughs> it's like, hey, you got a talent. You might as well use it. Because obviously it's not filmmaking. Ooh. Ooh. You say that, but have you looked up some of the other films he did? No. He did the first Puppet Master. He... You know what? That actually makes sense now. Where was his cameo uh, spinning bottles then? I don't know. Also, are you familiar with the film Tourist Trap? He did Tourist Trap? Yes. Wow, he must have really hit hard times to do this one. Uh. Yeah, because apparently this place is also a brothel. Because we have an obvious teenage boy coming in and being approached by the madam, who is named Mary Magdalene. You know, I she starts out with an extra heart and with her active item. It's very forgiving for when you're first trying to learn enemy patterns. What? It was a Binding of Isaac joke. Oh. Oh. I got real confused there for a moment. Uh, understandable. But here's the thing. Is this the actual, like, biblical Mary Magdalene? Because that's the implication of the movie. Well, given what we learn later, could be. Which r raises several questions. But anyway. But Miss Mary here... Dunn takes this boy downstairs to the rest of her little menagerie and drops him off at a hooker who is straight up dolled up to look like Marilyn Monroe. Or perhaps is Marilyn Monroe. That's to be discussed later. But also might I mention when she goes and knocks on a door telling them that their time is up, she straight up drops the southern accent. Oh yeah, it's a good bit. It <laughs> is a good bit. Either it's a bit or she's bad at acting. I want to say it's a bit, because it'd be very, very, I thought that was very clever. We also get another gentleman who is talking in a real good, like, Cajun accent. Yeah, I, like, I believe he was Cajun. 
which makes sense for the setting. And in this brothel, at the end of the at the end of the hallway, there's just a giant fuck off keep out door. Why? Why did you need that? Uh, Wouldn't a lock suffice? Well, I mean, if we don't show the forbidden door, how can we prove that Cajun man is a bad man because he he disobeyed the signs? There are things that he does later on that prove that he is a bad man. But he goes through the giant fuck-off keep-out door and enters into just... He walks into a haunted house, right? That's what this is. It's a haunted house. Yeah, basically. Where there's these creepy doll-faced weirdos, like, hanging out in the background. Yes! And he walks... The weirdest part is, I feel like I've seen those masks before. I don't remember from what. It looks like the baby face masks from Happy Death Day. No, 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 no. It wasn't, it wasn't baby face. It was something else. Something with that weirdly stretched smile and the hook nose. I can't place it for the life of me. Is it tourist trap? It's not tourist trap. Oh, wait, nope. Yeah, you're right. It is tourist trap. I think he- Did he just reuse the prop? I think he just reused some of the masks from tourist trap. Yeah, that that sounds like full moon, if I'm being honest. Yep, he done just reused the mask from Torah's trap, but also, what the point was, what was, what was the point? That's a question I anticipate saying a lot throughout this recording. I anticipate that question what, rising- What was the purpose? On many episodes, it was like, what, what was the point? Did they just have them lying around? It's like, eh, might as well use them. Right. And also, there was a, there was a part of this- where he walks in on what lo- appears to be a beautiful young woman combing her hair. And he, she turns around and it's a creepy old crone. And it's so clearly just another woman sitting behind a false mirror that's doing the exact same movements as the old woman. To the point that I almost feel like that's exactly what happened in the context of the film. I don't know, man. He's, he's just going through this weird fucking haunted house ride and he's i'm just like why why are you here why are you looking through here it's clean you're clearly not supposed to be here and it's clearly creep ass weirdos all around leave but he doesn't and he finds our principal female character by the name of dolores yes dolores is tending to some birds birds right birds burbs this this movie full of burbs there's a lot of burbs <laughs> a lot of birds and this guy walks up okay first of all irrelevant to the plot in the position that he's being filmed from the ceiling fan above him looks like a giant propeller hat i thought that was very funny um but after that but after that he's like hey let's fuck this is a brothel i want to fuck and she's like okay fine what do you want to have to pay me? Uh, I spent all my money upstairs. She's like, okay, cool. How about your soul? Get the fuck out right then and there. Well, at least he can never say that he he left it in his other pants. Yeah, because he fucks with his pants on. <laughs> yeah. This scene just made me uncomfortable because Dolores says, okay, I'll take your soul as payment. And she starts like quote-unquote, casting a love spell on him. And Cajun Man's just like, nope, no spells, only sex. And straight up just sexually assaults her. No, yeah, no, this is just rape. This is just... This is just rape. It's it's a mess. 
It's a mess. And while this is going on, a rock hand flies off from a wall somewhere and goes... And then he's attacked by a giant stone mummy hand. And it, it just clamps onto his face and he starts bleeding for no reason. And while this is going on, Dolores gets up and she starts tending to one of her birdies again. She's like, oh, I'm going to have a new friend for you. And in the background, the Cajun guy's turning into a bird. It's just straight up him wearing a big fucking chicken hat. <laughs> I swear to God. He it's, straight up just it, turned him into a furry. It's horrible. It's so but bad. It, so here's the thing. When the hand attacks him, it's got like weird protruding like vines shooting out of it. And it's got, it's like piercing into his skin and the makeup's not half bad. I was kind of getting like some interesting vibes. I was kind of like down with it in so much as like, a weird artistic way to kill someone and then he started turning into a furry and i'm like i'm no longer down with this i need to not be witnessing this <laughs> oh and we should say before this happens her eyes turn black and she starts gurgling <laughs> it's like uh... i'm like I, black eyes you know what i'm into it i wouldn't and, kick her out of bed it's one of those things, so I suppose I should say this right now, there are some scenes in this film that I genuinely found enthralling. And we're about to get into one, but first we gotta introduce our main character named Corey. Yeah, might I, might I mention, everything that we just mentioned was the weirdest fucking cold open. Yes, it was a cold open. I don't get it. <laughs> It was the weirdest fucking cold open, because now we get our main man, Corey, riding down the bayou with a voiceover narrative trying to seem all mysterious and junk. I would go as far as to say they didn't simply try, but succeeded. Succeeded in what? Trying to sound mysterious. Meh. It seriously made me think so much of just those, the way everything was worded, sensual, like, romantic the words that they used i'm like this sounds straight up like one of those ten dollar romance paperbacks you find in the clearance section at books million i'm not gonna say it's high art or anything but it's certainly much better than i expected it is it it kind of got me into the into the vibe a little bit See, i'm not gonna lie this is where you and i differed greatly because at this point i'm just sitting here thinking what the actual fuck because it was such a weird tonal shift from everything that we had just witnessed oh no i'm not arguing that i think this should have been how the movie opened i don't know if that how if that was how the movie opened it would have i would have checked out way longer way long ago but i suppose that we should say that the voiceover is Discussing how Corey's dad, who he whom he never knew, died lately and left a bunch of stuff for him. And that is what he's doing here in Louisiana is getting his inheritance and trying to figure out what happened to his dad. And honestly, this setup feels almost, feels kind of H.P. Lovecraft to me. How? Weird guy goes to visit his inherit, his weird dead person in a weird place and goes to just kind of figure things out i i'm not saying it's good i'm saying it's interesting might i also mention that he just 
hops off the boat at this weird ass pantheon on the riverbank. No, yeah, that's a, that was unacceptable. Unless that is a thing in Louisiana that those just those structures are just around, that is unacceptable. Yeah, just. But then we meet Mr. Beauregard Yates Esquire waiting for Corey with his nasty ass nails. Nasty ass nails. <laughs> nasty ass nails. So bad. And fingerless gloves. Fingerless gloves with cool nasty ass nails. It's like everything else about Mr. Beauregard Yates Esquire is prim and proper. And then I'm just like, you need a manicure, hon. Again, it's one of those things where I felt like, oh, this is a... Immediately makes me very suspect of this character. Yeah. Almost like a movie. Yeah, it's like... Also, Corey took a boat along the bayou to this weird pantheon just to hop into a car to drive to his father's estate. Yes. Are you confused? Yes. That's how they do it in Louisiana. Is it? 50% of the roads are just bayou. Is that is that accurate? I mean, no one's going to fact check me, so... Or I'm not going to fact check you, so... But we also... We get one of the best lines from Beauregard in Corey's arrival to the estate because he sees this beautiful blonde woman riding around the property on a horse and Corey's just like, well, who is that? And Mr. Beauregard Yates Esquire straight up calling it like it is and says that right there is jailbait. Right. So I I had to do this for my own sanity. I looked up the actress's age at the time, and she was like 24. So I'm like, okay, thank God Charles Band isn't that low of a human being. It's still very, very funny to me, that line. Like, oh my gosh, it was so perfect. It, it was very good. And then they meet Miss Palmer, who was the sort of the, the housemaid to Corey's dad is that the correct way to describe her role i would consider more she's like the estate caretaker i wouldn't call her a maid okay yeah she's more of a caretaker specifically for the birds there's a lot of birds yeah a lot of burbs birds are a theme burb bird and she's talking to Corey and saying some freaky shit and it's like at this stage Corey needs to get the fuck out this entire trip, the entire day that he's, the first day he spends there has so many red flags on he just needs to get the fuck out. It's, this movie really could have benefited from giving Corey more of a motivation to remain where he was. See, here is the thing, and I am going to steal this line from uh, Bojack Horseman. When you're wearing rose-tinted glasses, the red flags just look like flags. And I think he was just wearing those rose-tinted glasses because he was like, oh man, I got this whole estate left to me. And it's pretty obvious that Corey has some daddy issues because he's just like, why do you have a kid and then walk out on him? So it's pretty obvious that Corey has some daddy issues and he was obviously coming to get some answers. Fair enough. I, I just think that the movie could have done a better job of explaining that. It, Corey, or maybe Corey just needs a better actor. Maybe that's the thing, because Corey, objectively, isn't that great of an actor. Yeah. But might we also mention that uh, before his departure, Mr. Beauregard Yates Esquire 
leaves Corey some effects that his father had left him. And in the letter he leaves, Corey's dad just straight up like, Yo, I brought you here to raise me from the dead. Someone come to teach you how. Right. That was super weird to me. It's just straight up like, I'm going to be raised from the dead and some lady's going to come and meet you. It's like, what the... Do you... Under what circumstances would you assume that this estranged child of you yours would just be super down for for resurrections? Just straight up. Hey, here's a free house. You gotta raise me from the dead. It's really, really weird. But it was this scene in particular that did kind of enrapture me where I was watching it and it was... Beauregard, who is, who is a lawyer, who is handling the uh, ethics of the father. And they're, Corey and the lawyer are going back discussing the father. And it genuinely kind of got me thinking, like, okay, what's the, what's the story here? What happened to his father? What's going on? And I think that's kind of what felt Lovecraft to me, in a way. In so much as... In so much as it's a guy going to a place and needing to dig stuff up and no one's giving him a straight answer. And it seems like he's the only sane person in a place full of crazy people. So, it's Lovecraftian in that there is always that overwhelming feeling of not knowing. And that everyone knows except you. Right. It's not so much as, like, tentacles and shit. It's like... The existentialism. I don't... Who can I trust? Because everyone's being a freakazoid right now. And also the father's diary was covered in stickers, and I thought that was very cute. (laughs) But also, we find that blonde horseback lady is named Diane, and she is Miss Palmer's daughter, and she's just straight trouble. She is legit just the stereotypical southern harlot. She might as well just rip her pants off like as in a comedic bit she like, might as well just straight up rip her pants off and do a fan dance it it's egregious where she's just like i want you to come up in here and fuck me because i don't know i'm lonely i guess and because it, it'll make my mama mad and I, and again this could be poor acting on the actress's part but she seems to have some kind of ulterior motive here to having sex with him. And I, I could, genuinely couldn't tell if she was doing this to just make him uneasy or if she genuinely just wanted to make her mother upset. Or both. Both. Sure. Both. And again, I just put in my notes, Corey needs to fucking run. Corey needs to leave. There's no reason for him to stay here. Uh, after this, I have, I fucking hate this and I'm putting this all on Charles Band. And after that is just, in parentheses, Eagle Screech. Because he, this movie loves to have sound effects of birds over top of bird statues. Sound effects of birds, plus the sound of bird wings flapping, and some really weird flashback stuff. Because we get Corey reading his dad's journal that was left to him. Talking about how bad people become birds and good people get brought back to life somehow. And yes, we get it. This movie is supposed to be sexy. He just goes on and on about Dolores' sexual energy and how he was so enamored by her and her power, which is sexy. And it's just like, okay, we get it. I think 
I think there's a point in that monologue where the dad is literally, literally like, and then I went down on her and felt the power from within her. And I'm like, this is so egregious. It's aggressive. What I should say is it's, it's gratuitous. Yes. Because in a lot of horror, sex and sexuality, and just movies in general, that can be an effective plot point. But in this, it doesn't feel like it's conveying any kind of message or... I've told you, it, this... It feels like it thinks it's trying to convey a message when it's not. It's just being gratuitous. This is why it felt like a Harlequin paperback. Because it's so excessive. And there's no point to it. Oh, and we get it. tits. Oh yeah, there's so much tits in this movie. I stopped counting. Like, this movie is just full of tits. Actually, there's not. There's not. I only counted two sets of uncovered breasts in this film. I... Which, considering the subject matter, isn't that much. I got at least four sets. Really? Yes. Maybe I'm just not attentive. Probably not. Uh, after the tits note, I have fuck Charles Band, I blame him, why the fuck is this sex stuff, and oh, this is getting trippy. As, while this is going down... Corey starts to astral project as only I could, as, as the only way I could describe it. Yeah, it's... And following Dolores. Who has showed up in his home out of nowhere, beckons him to follow, and oh look, he walked in on Diane in the shower. And he's in there and he's like, what, what do you mean? Why are you screaming? This is just a dream, right? This is just, this is just a dream. <laughs> and it seems carelessly casual and it goes back to my opinion that this just needed a better actor who could act that off a lot more convincingly of this is just a dream right oh oh this isn't a dream oh fuck yeah if if that had been better acted that probably would have been a really funny bit but it wasn't or just genuinely a moment of like fuck this is this has gone wrong yeah but we get Corey back out onto the estate property and Diane accosting him was like, if you wanted to see me naked, you should have seduced me first. But we, at this point, find out that Corey's new estate is right up the river from the brothel. Like, literally within eyesight. Right. How did he only just then notice the brothel? Yeah. It's right there. And actively making noise. Yeah, it's like literally right up the bayou. And apparently that's also where his daddy died. Right. And he's like, how did my dad die? Uh. Uh. And Corey needs to be asking more questions. And then, uh, I don't know if you share this opinion with me, we get the best character of the movie, Uh, Bijou. Oh, crazy old Bijou? Crazy old Bijou. I don't know about best character, but he was certainly interesting. I'm crazy old Bijou. I'm going to cut you. Maybe I'm not. I don't know. I'm crazy. <laughs> He's just heavily moist. And very, the- very just sopping with liquid. Everybody is threatening everybody in this movie. Because crazy old Bijou is like, I'm going to cut you. Or maybe I won't. Or maybe I will. And then Diane's just like, go away, Bijou, or else I'll kill you. Everybody's <laughs> threatening In my every- notes, what the fuck is happening? What the fuck is happening? <laughs> It, it, Corey needs to be asking more questions as Bijou is like, come on down to the brothel, I'll give you all the answers. And then fucking 
the harlot girl runs off for some reason and then they then we cut to Corey in the brothel and i don't know about you but i fucked i fucked with the music in this scene yeah i the band honestly the band's at tonks was not that bad but it's it's also it's also like bijou here at the brothel and he's like dance with me pretty boy uh in the notes gay panic and he's got a powerful left hook like a guy came up to bijou and was like hey leave this kid alone bijou just like does a back fist to him and knocks him out immediately a powerful left hook with his right hand basically yeah <laughs> and then we we briefly cut to mrs palmer plucking a chicken in the most intense way possible yeah, she's stolen a handkerchief from Corey's things, and she's laid out her little, her little bit of voodoo stuff. And oh, yep, Mrs. Palmer's in on that voodoo shit too. Everyone's doing voodoo in Louisiana. Yeah, you can't. I, you, you're not gonna fact check me. No, like Diane even said, most people do black magic here or there. But it's usually harmless, but the stuff going on at Tonks is the real bad shit so stay away and Corey goes anyway because as he goes downstairs to talk to dolores dolores is with a customer and she's just like i'm busy come back later and her customer's like yeah she's busy Corey doesn't take no for an answer and dolores's customer just pulls a gun on him out of nowhere it it is such a wild escalation where they're just having a mildly aggressive conversation. And this guy just pulls a goddamn gun. And it it's almost comedic how quickly this guy pulls out a gun. Where it's just... it. I would imagine he's just like... So you're saying your uh, frosty machine is broken? Well, how about my 44 answers for you? And, and as this is happening... Freak-ass zombie stone mummy hand... Starts flying out towards this guy again. And it turns into a snake. The middle finger specifically, the fingertip of the middle finger is a snaky face. Why? Why? <laughs> I don't know, man. But Why they, did this happen? I will say, though, he doesn't get turned into a bird. He just gets straight, straight up killed. Honestly, some pretty good effects there. Oh, yeah. I, again, I, I kind of fuck with this in a way of like oh that's some interesting gore going on it, it's decently done it's the idea of a severed hand is just shooting fucking barbed wire into a guy's face is pretty interesting to look at no like it also legit just plunges its fingertips into the guy's eye sockets right the effects are not bad in fact in some places the set design and the atmosphere and all that stuff i feel like it works pretty well all things considered yeah you're not wrong forgive me i'm looking at my notes and at some point along the way cory ends up in his dad's crypt but i don't remember how so after customer dude's quote unquote untimely death cory finds diane on the estate property and she's just like how adventurous-some are you? Like, literally, that is the word she uses. Adventurous-some. Right. And promptly takes him to his father's crypt. 
after offering him a very weird drink called Tapia. That is, that straight up just looks like Powerade. Do you know, I, I was like, is Tapia a thing? It's supposedly some thing, kind of rum. Made from molasses. But it don't look like that. It's not, it's not incandescent green. I'll tell you that much. It looks like some kind of power source from, like, StarCraft. It doesn't look like something you drink. You know what it kind of looks like? Hmm? It looks like Baja Blast with no carbonation. <laughs> it looks like flat Baja Blast. I, I kind of dig that. It's just, let me get my finest re- my finest reserve. It's just a fucking six-pack of Baja Blast. <laughs> You know, I, I'd be down with that. Baja Blast is fucking delicious. Which does remind me, I'm going to need to see if they have any of that hard Baja Blast on sale here now. Ugh. We will discuss that later, but... Oh, and a note for the uh, classical full moon accelerated love interest, where she uh, she is just straight up ready to sacrifice herself for Cory, which is... It's... It's to be expected, but I'm not any less disappointed. I know. But I mean, it was pretty obvious when she basically came up to him upon first speaking to him. It's just like, yeah, I, I'll fuck you. Yeah, but that was just sort of like a, I want to, I just want a dick inside me. I don't quite care <laughs> where it's from. And now it's straight up, I am, you are my romantic interest. I am willing to sacrifice myself for you. And after this, so we should say this entire time, it's intercutting with Mrs. Palmer doing voodoo rituals over a still beating bird heart. Yeah. And when Corey and Diane get back to the place, to, to the home, she goes to murder Corey in his sleep with a hidden dagger inside of a cross. In my notes, I wrote, the power of Christ compels you. Also, this knife! I think you made that exact joke in The Pit and the Pendulum. I probably did. That <laughs> was my did, note. But it, but it works here, too. It's, it is genuinely really fun. Just... I love... It's so stupid, but I unironically love... The knife hidden inside the cross, especially when it's a cross that has Jesus hanging on it. It's really silly when you think about it, but honestly, I'm here for it. It's like the ultimate reversal of pacifism. It is truly the Uno reverse card. <laughs> but as as this is happening, he is... Dolores comes and saves Corey from Mrs. Palmer, but just... Just like covering Mrs. Palmer's eyes with her hands, like putting it, putting a blanket over a bird, and just setting them right to sleep. At least that's what I assumed when I first watched it. And we cut back to Corey is now back at the bar, I guess. So it was at this point in my notes I had run out of good things to say at this of this movie, and we get tits again. Made that note and. Corey is just watching a set of people fuck, right? No, 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 no. Before this, before this happens, he's gone back to Tonks's to speak to Dolores. And the Marilyn Monroe hooker 
comes and sits next to him and she proclaims that she is the real Marilyn Monroe. And she's like, I was alive and then I was dead and now I'm alive again. And apparently she's working in a whorehouse. Right. It does seem like if this is truly Marilyn Monroe resurrected from the dead, she could willingly leave. Like, she doesn't seem to be under any kind of spell. She's either... She's either playing a role, absolutely delusional, or she's the real Marilyn Monroe and she's honestly just happy this way. You know what? I don't care. It's... I don't I almost don't want to know. It's better if I don't know. Agreed. It's like, at this point, I don't want to know. Oh, and then we get a cameo from Jester from Puppet Master with a weird spinny... The weird spinny-faced doll person. Oh, the mask, yeah. Because Corey has done stopped down the hall in where all the sexies happen. And he's just standing and watching like an absolute creeper. As a weird masked doll person approaches him and just starts No, doesn't even doesn't even approach him. They were like already on the ground apparently and grabs his leg. It's just, why? Why? Why is this happening? movie why? why is this happening why 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 oh and now he's fucking dolores okay i guess we're just moving on yeah this Corey is like teach me everything i need to know to bring my father back and dolores is like i'll teach you everything and then begins the longest scene of them touching each other intercut with dolores dancing with Corey's dad and also intercut with shots of the band upstairs playing like, oh my god, that scene just dragged. Did not drag as bad as Meridian did. Right. And also in Meridian, it was actively sexual assault, which made it worse. But here's the question. So when Dolores and Corey's dad were dancing, was it in a lower frame rate than the rest of the film? Yes. Or was that just my connection being fucked? No, it definitely was like weirdly slowed down and kind of jittery. Because it was obviously meant to be kind of dreamlike. Yeah. This whole scene, we get sexy jazz, we get sexy sex, we get some low frame rate dancing, we get some titty holding, we get some knee ice. Like, I, no, that, was, that wasn't even ice, that was a weird, that was a quartz crystal. Was it quartz? It was quartz. I thought it was ice. Nope, it was quartz. And he, uh, knee crystals. Just rubbing crystals <laughs> all over each knee other. Cr- <laughs> knee crystals. Just rubbing, rubbing, just rubbing all the things against all the other things. And we cut back. She has to clear his chakras before she can fuck him. Oh, God, no. (laughs) So we, we also, at this point, we go back to the estate and we find Mrs. Palmer. She's not been turned into a bird, but apparently she's blind now. Because anything else would be straight up expensive. They had contacts by this point. Why did they have her wear contacts to look blind? I I don't know, but Diane sneaks into Corey's bedroom with a letter for him or whatever, and she finds a little feather growing out of his head. And I'm just sitting here like, must be bird herpes. Bird herpes, I suppose so. It's the only explanation. Must be bird herpes. And we've seen this before on other characters connected to whatever this weird-ass bird cult is. Yeah. And where they have these feathers growing out the side of their heads, kind of like Hermes, almost. I don't know, Where it's, like, just above their ear. But it is straight up growing out of his head because he plucks it and it bleeds. 
But then we get a fashion montage. Before we we do indeed get a dress up montage. But before that, I do want to say that the plucking of the feather out of his head was genuinely kind of upsetting to me as far as like horror imagery. Um, But moving on, we get Corey doing a dress up montage, putting on various suits of various uh, materials and colors. Were, were, were some of them velveteen? I feel like he, he had some velveteen suits. Was it velvet or velveteen? A gentleman must know the difference. It was at this point that I put in my notes, uh, is Corey the villain? Because, I'll be honest, I don't know who the villain of this movie is. I don't either. It sets up like Dolores should be the villain, but then she's also like apparently helping him. And it's Who is the antagonist in this? It's so weird, because why was there even this dumb fashion montage of Corey trying on his dead father's clothes? Casey? Casey? Because the movie needed to be 90 minutes. That's true. Because we also find out uh, Beauregard Yeats Esquire is also a bird person. He got the bird herpes. Beauregard Bird Yeats Esquire. (laughs) Bird regard. Bird regard. <laughs> Bird regard Yates Esquire. That's actually and a great name for a D&D character. Bird regard. Uh, I copyright it. No, it's my, right I said it. No, it's, it's my I idea. I did it. <laughs> it's my idea. But it's... So, Corey's drinking some taffia with the boys. <laughs> and the daughter comes back. And to my surprise, the daughter... Diane doesn't know about the cult. Or at least it seems like she doesn't. Which again, this movie seems to have been setting up that everyone involved in this knew about the cult and was in on it. But apparently not. Because some of these people are clearly against the cult while others are with it. And we proceed to get the ritual that would bring back... Corey's dad and yes it is as abrupt as that we have 10 minutes left in the movie and Corey is finally like yeah okay let's bring dad back to life it's borderline incomprehensible it's borderline an art film i will say and apparently the way to the other side is the is a bathtub it's a bathtub it's a bathtub and so dolores is there she's like baptizing him in this bathtub and she says to him, you know what to do. And I'm like, no, he doesn't. You're the one leading the ritual. You, you were supposed to teach him. And, and for some reason, uh, Diane is there as well. Also no, 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 being no, no. a part of... No, Diane doesn't show up until later. Because Corey is in this weird ethereal plane. And this is where I counted tit sets three and four. Right. He's in this weird ethereal plane while he's searching for his daddy. And right, I, I think fu- I was screaming at the monitor at this point. Probably, because he finds his father's spirit, and he's just a smoochy zombie. That's a fucking zombie. He's a, a weird-ass smoochy zombie. Like, he straight up, full-on, kisses Corey on the lips, like, give daddy a kiss, and he's licking his lips, and he smooches him full-on face-to-face. And we find out that Smoochie Zombie Dad wants Corey to take his place in the afterlife for whatever reason. 
and Bijou and Bird Regard Yates Esquire are there for some weird reason. And Dolores is like, what? Switching? This was never part of the plan. You don't know what the ritual does? You're the witch woman. You're the one doing the ritual. I don't understand. I don't get it. It's so... Neither here nor there, but it, it, it's it's another aspect of this that frustrates me. The encounter between Corey and his dad is, like, happening on the astral plane. And if that's the case, why is the dad decomposing? Why? It's his soul, not his body. Maybe it's a manifestation of how rotten his intentions are. I think they just had zombie makeup, is what I'm thinking. But, yeah, like... Bird regard Yates, Esquire, and Bijou start tying Cory down to this stone slab so that Cory can take his father's place in the afterlife to switch, I guess. Because I guess that he was going to take Cory's body. But yeah, I think Diane what it is, he's taking over Cory's body where it's not like a true resurrection. He's just kind of possessing him. And Diane shows up and is like, how can I help? Or do you love him? I love him. As, and I genuinely don't remember ha what happened next because I just put in my notes, now I'm confused and not in a good way. <laughs> Diane shows up for no reason to be a love interest because she's like, how can I help? And Dolores is like, love him. And at this point I wrote down, maybe I can bring him back if he feels my boobies. <laughs> <laughs> just starts motorboating him. <laughs> no, because she, she lifts his hand. She lifts his hand and presses it to her chest. I'm just like, yes, boobies. Oh, God, right. <laughs> yes, and boobies, then, the true life bringer. <laughs> and, and then we get some madness where the dad is screaming. And he's like, you'll never take me. Never. And we get a flash of a bird over top of his face. It flashes back to him and he's screaming and we open up back in the front yard of the no, no, estate because no, no, no. the the flying rock hand does come flying uh, out again and Corey dodges it for the briefest of moments and it goes after his father and apparently that's right. just the end of that little issue no it, and then we get to the fucking thing that broke me about this movie <laughs> where we cut to the ending scene where it's Corey and Dolores and Diane. Is that no? I think that I don't think that's Dolores. I think that's Mrs. Palmer, because the hair was short. Whatever. I'm, pre I'm there, pretty. I'm pretty sure that's there Mrs. Are, Palmer. There, there, there's three of them sitting there drinking taffia, being brought there by Beauregard, and it, Beauregard brings over a bird cage, and sets it down, and there's there's a parrot inside, and Corey's like, "Oh, how are you doing?" dad and then we cut to a puppet bird that's like screaming and then it turns its face like two-face and the other side of it's a zombie and it just screams never as the screen cuts to black and that is where our movie ends what the actual fuck was this movie i i have a question casey i might have an answer what did it all mean how do we interpret this movie going forward? Um. What was the story here? What was the hand? What was the purpose of the birds? Why Why was Dolores seemingly not knowing what the dad was doing? Why Why was Beauregard's hands all weird? 
Who, who, why were people in Tonk doing those things? Who were the weird puppet-faced doll people in the fucking cellars? Who, why was his dad a bird? Why did the birds <laughs> scream? Or all the birds just weird undead people? Why was he in a bathtub? Why, why was the hand murdering random people? And then when it went to murder Corey, it went to murder his dad. Why was the hand there in the first place? Why were the symbols on the hand? Is the hand a part of the cult with the birds? Or is it a separate entity that is just hanging out in Louisiana causing mischief? <laughs> I, I can I can answer that in in one statement. Drugs are bad. <laughs> Charles Drugs are bad. Band, Charles Band needs to do less cocaine. The, the weirdest part is this wasn't even done solely by Charles Band. This was this was the screenplay was done by a guy whose last name was Chicago. So, here's my ultimate opinion on this film, which is. Okay, do you remember how in 2018 they did a remake of Suspiria? I actually liked that one. Exactly. My my point being, the remake of Suspiria ha- was could could genuinely have been a different movie. Could have genuinely been put out without the name Suspiria. I want to see a remake of that style done for Netherworld. Oh, in that last rant, I forgot to ask why the fucking movie's named Netherworld. That's another thing. Oh. Why? Oh, okay. okay, okay. So, the director was also the screenwriter, but he had it credited as Billy Chicago. Mm. Mm. That doesn't answer my question, Casey. But it does help some things. It makes it more confusing, if I'm being honest. Should, but should, should, we, should we tuck this this monstrosity into the box with meridian and subspecies and and move on to what we will be talking about next episode i you know what we can move on to what we're talking about next episode but i will say that i i don't want to put this in the same hole as meridian and subspecies because i do think that there were some genuinely interesting things and interesting ideas here that if done by a competent director and not influenced by charles band could be a pretty interesting film in my opinion or this just ends up becoming another sequel to birdemic casey what are we watching next week (laughs) next episode we are talking about seed people an obvious ripoff of invasion of the body snatchers yay (laughs) Uh, Charles Band credited with the original idea. That's bullshit. You know a Charles Band. But but it can't be any more incomprehensible. It it can't be any more incomprehensible than... Unless... Unless they're bird seed people. Good night, everybody! Go fuck yourself. Good night. (laughs) (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.